with microphones, we'd like to call this meeting to order. Uh, the first thing I'd like to say before we proceed too far is, first of all, I want to welcome our new member, Caroline Loa. Glow? Close, close. It's Lau, and it runs with Lau. Yeah. Okay, I'll say, okay. Probably. Carolyn Lau. Um, oh, it's an N, not an A, huh? I had it written down two different ways. Sorry. So, Carolyn, welcome aboard. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what, what, what background and what inspired you? What do you hope to accomplish? Here? Sure. Uh, I uh, practiced environmental law for 40 years. Okay. Uh, retiring about three years ago. First half of my career, uh, I represented um, large companies, did defense work, water, and hazardous waste work. Second half of my career worked for the United States Department of the Interior. And I was a lawyer for the National Park Service, <coughs> U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and U.S. Geological Service. And particularly with my work with the fish and wildlife folks, as well as the Park Service, uh, had a lot of open space uh, work, did uh, park management, park acquisition work, uh, did wildlife enforcement, uh, worked extensively on the uh, Fish and Wildlife Service acquisition of the Cargill Salt Ponds and incorporation into the uh, San Francisco Bay National Wildlife Refuge. So I, I have a perspective just from having been on both sides, as you will, of the table looking at environmental issues over the last 40 years. And as we were talking earlier about agriculture and agricultural issues in the uh, county, I didn't do any uh, work between ag issue, uh, interests and the interface with the National Park Service in Wayne County while I was practicing. But I did grow up in Genesee County, New York, which is probably the richest agricultural area of the state, has the most dairying as well as uh, grows the best onions of any place <laughs> in the entire world. Uh, and good for you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. But also, because of that, was able to work for two summers, one when I was in college, one in law school, with the county planning uh, department, where we worked extensively on agricultural open space issues and how you balance the So you the really two. do understand ag? Um, I grew up around it, for sure, uh, the passions of it. I mean, that's what uh, ag interests are what uh, made Genesee County still do. If you've ever had any Greek yogurt, probably originated in Genesee County. Great, great. Glad right. to be here. Well, glad, glad to have you on, and uh, really look forward to your, how you complement uh, our commission. So if, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> just just reminding you to hand it over to Indigo. Okay. So handing it over, we have. Okay, instructions for participating in the meeting are available at MarinCountyParks.org under the About Us Boards and Commission tab. Instructions will also appear on the top of the screen throughout the meeting. The committee chair will announce when it is time to take comments and will set the time limit. Comments will first be heard from those in the chamber, followed by those participating online. <coughs> General comments on items not on the agenda can be shared during item number four on the agenda titled Public Comment. Comments specific to an agenda item must be expressed only while the committee is considering that agenda item. If joining by computer, use the raise hand icon at the bottom of your screen to inform the moderator that you would like to speak. If you are joining by phone, press star nine to indicate that you would like to make a comment. When it is your turn to speak, your name will be called. After your name is called, you should see a request on your device to unmute. If you are participating by phone, you will hear 
you are unmuted. Please unmute and provide your first and last name. Please speak slowly and clearly so that the captioners can follow your comments. Reminder that there may be a slight delay when watching the live stream. If you anticipate wanting to speak during the meeting, please join in advance of the item you wish to speak on and indicate that you wish to speak before public comment period is closed on the item. Thank you. And one additional thing, Chair, we'll want to have Indigo uh, call for a roll call of attendance. Okay. Okay, roll call. Uh, Joe Malin. Here. Daniel Russell. Here. Mary Stomp. Here. Jeff Williams. Here. Carolyn Lown. Here. Michael Dyback. Larry Kennings. Absent. Okay. Then the next item, agenda item we have is the approval of the minutes from last November 10th. Do we have anybody, has everyone had a chance to read the minutes? And if so, are there any comments? And if not, we have a motion to approve those minutes. I make a motion we approve. Okay, Daniel, make the first. Second, second. Okay, and Jeff, second. I get abstain, I wasn't here. Okay. All those who approve? Aye. 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 Any nays? And we have two abstentions as well. Okay. So it sounds like we have enough. Do we need a, a quorum? We have a quorum. We have enough. Okay. So it sounds like the minutes passed. So agenda item number four is public comment. Um, this is the open time for public expression up to two minutes. Is that right? Here it says three minutes. Um, do we have any public in the gallery? Doesn't appear to be. Okay, now we want to ask Al if he has anybody online or on the phone that has a public comment. Chair Mayland, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay. With that done, I guess we can move on to the next item. Uh, director's report. So Max, you have some upgrades. Before you do, I also want to just acknowledge that uh, I saw your picture a few places, including the bank, for winning your recipient. And I think that's great that you're so engaged in our community that, and that they recognize what you do. I think it's under um, appreciated that you do, and I'm glad that that's out there because I think people will sense really the impact that you do and how much, how much the the community is involved and, and woven into this. So congratulations. Thank you, Chair Malin, and thank you, committee members, Max Corton, Director of Marin County Parks. And I'll just be brief in my update. Um, you know, this is a, it's a busy time of year, and especially since we've had this uh, a little bit scary uh, break from rain this winter, uh, we have a lot of projects going on that are funded by Measure A. Uh, one is a, a, a repaving of the parking lot at McNear's Beach Park, so that's currently underway. Uh, if you go out there right now, there's you can still there's still access to the park, but most of the parking lot's torn up. Uh, and then uh, the pool at Homestead Valley, uh, there's a community center and a pool there that are uh, owned by the county um, and operated by a local community center and uh, and open to the public. Um, that pool is currently being reconstructed. The community itself has a, a local tax measure that's funding the majority of it, but 
it's all we're using measure a funds as well to help support some aspects of it and it's really actually critical to have measure a to keep get the project uh, going initially and then um, uh, and that was important to provide uh, accessibility uh, to the pool to meet uh, for people with disabilities and then uh, also it's just an aging uh, piece of inf infrastructure there uh, some work, uh, another project that wrapped up recently is at Rush Creek Park over in uh, Novato, a trail project in the preserve over there that's worth uh, taking a look at. Uh, and then um, also wanted to mention that we are in the process of uh, doing our vegetation management planning. I'll speak to it a little bit later, actually in a couple places, but just wanted to invite your committee that um, you know, typically this is a process with our Parks and Open Space Commission, who is an important, plays an important role in our budget uh, development process. It's a two-step process, starts in January and then follows up in March with recommendation to the board. But this year we're going a little bit more in depth because vegetation management is such an important component of the potential extension of Measure A. So we're creating a vision for how uh, that money could be spent over the next nine years, and that'll be part of our presentation in March. And so just wanted to invite any of you who are interested to be a part of that process. Um, and that's all that I have in this report. Great. That sounds like important information to get to the public, especially when we start to look for renewal. I think if they understand what an important role they play, that there's so many other parts involved, it's not just uh, parks but also the fuel management and all that stuff okay um, so that was informational uh, I guess the next update is on the measured a reinformation uh, chair Marilyn if I may yes. uh, can you please call for public comment on the director's report we, I think okay. we have to call for public comment on each item great yes okay I, I was gonna say so all informational items we can ask for public comment but action items we don't all actually all items informational or okay. action okay all right, so do we have any public comment? Obviously there's nobody here, so we ask Al, do we have any public comment on the um, director's report? Chair Mayland, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, great. And I did skip the review of committee bylaws, which is an informational item. And Kevin, you're gonna explain that? Perfect, I'd be happy to. Okay. Thank you, Chair. So each year uh, during this meeting, we bring the bylaws back before this committee to remind us all what we're doing here in the first place. And um, so I'll just briefly go over um, how the committee structured, why it's here. Uh, it began with a passage of the Measure A Ordinance 3586 by voters in 2012, and attached to that ordinance was an expenditure plan, which specifically laid out how the money can be spent. And another component of that expenditure plan that was really important to voters was the formation of your committee uh, as an oversight body by the Board of Supervisors. So within six months, roughly, of the measure being passed uh, and implemented, your committee was formed um, by resolution, and that resolution was attached to your packet, just for you to see. And then um, the board also worked with staff to create a set of bylaws that governs your committee. And so those bylaws are probably the most important piece here and they describe what your committee is here for and um, various governance issues. So it'll talk about membership terms, um, how to form ad hoc committees, all kinds of good stuff. So um, each year we just encourage you to read back through that and um, I personally am available by email or phone if you wanna talk over any questions or parts of the bylaws. 
uh, what it comes down to is that your committee focuses on two specific things. One is the general oversight of measure expenditures. So it's knowing that expenditure plan and just looking at how the department's spending money annually and making sure that we're in compliance with that plan. And then at a deeper level, it's working with our auditors. So we have two layers of audits plus annual reporting. And I just want to take a moment, you know, here we're almost nine years into the measure and just congratulate your committee because really nine years ago, you came together with staff and you formed what our annual reporting looks like and you've been here every step of the way. And you also helped us to shape what our audit process looks like in this two-stage process. And here we are today, we've had clean audits for the last nine years. It's really exceptional and it's much thanks to your committee and the oversight you provided. So thank you and please reach out if you have any questions. Great, Kevin. I think that's great that we have this kind of centers us so that we all know what our focus and our mission is why we're here because it's easy to get distracted. Is there any commit any other commissioners? Um, Carolyn, do you have any questions? Does it all seem pretty straightforward what our focus is or I, 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 I think so. I, I okay. did a fair amount of <coughs> homework before applying for the committee. Okay, great. So, okay. And, and staff has been very good about giving me a pre brief on this. Okay, great. So I just want to make sure there's clarity. Yes. Yep, everybody. Okay. Um, so with that, do we have any public comment on our missions? No, obviously nobody in the galley. Do we have anybody um, outside, Al? Chair Maylin, there are no speakers in the queue. Great. Okay. Um, all right. So thank you for that, Kevin. Uh, the next one is update on uh, renewal or re-implementation, I guess you would call it of Measure A, which expires um, roughly in a month. Uh, so we've got our 10-year run. We need another 10 years. And I think, Max, you're going to kind of explain. I, I want to say that there's been some back and forth on what you had proposed, as Daniel had mentioned, and then the supervisors kind of countered, and you've kind of tailored it. But now you've got this package bundled, and we've got timelines and all that. So I think it would be great for all of us to have a clear understanding of that, and then maybe how our how do we disband and reassemble, or how does that all work with our, um, our, our participation? Thank you, Chair Mail and, and committee members. Um, so, how do we share this? Oh, here, there you go, you're up. Okay, perfect, thank you. So, um, I'm gonna go through this presentation, and it may be fairly familiar to any of you. You've probably seen at least part of this before. Uh, either at your committee or the Parks and Open Space Commission or the Board of Supervisors. Um, uh, and so, because we've used the same thing, but it's sort of evolved over time. So, and and to answer your last question first, uh, Chair Malin, uh, your, your committee does not disband come the end of March because there's still fund balance in this fund. So as long as there's fund balance, the committee would stick around. So, and certainly if it's extended, but even if it isn't, um, until all the money is spent, the oversight committee stays in place. Okay, good. So, good uh, so real briefly, so Measure A, the existing Measure A was passed by voters in 2012. It had 74% uh, support, and it funded uh, parks, open space, farmland, preservation, as you well know. And, uh, and then the current measure, so it sunsets in March, at the end of March this year. And um, Marin Open Space Trust did a poll back in June of 2021 that found over 80% support for, uh, for extending the existing measure. And so we initially were working towards 
actually were initially working towards putting this on the ballot in 2020, but then the pandemic happened and our whole team got reassigned to supporting the county's pandemic response. And then uh, uh, we we're looking at putting it on the ballot this summer with the recall ballot, but some state legislation made it uh, not possible for us to do that. And so um, now we're working towards putting it on the June ballot. And just to talk a little bit, you all know this extremely well because we've presented this to you many times, but you know, Measure A has really had a huge effect on the community and our organization and what we've been able to deliver. Our, our ability to uh, do fuels reduction work around reducing the, the impact of potential wildland fires has increased greatly. We've gone from spending about $250,000 a year to spending over $2 million a year on uh, vegetation management and fuels reduction. And of course, as we do that work, not only does it protect communities, it also is important for protecting biodiversity and supporting the ecosystems on our preserves because we're mainly doing work in the wildland and urban interface, and that tends to be where a lot of invasive species are and things like that. And so the work has multiple benefits. Um, and of course, our preserves really ring the urban areas of Marin, and they're places where it's especially important to do that kind of work. Um, you know, park maintenance and improvements, most of our major park facilities were built in the 1970s and 80s and are aging and need um, just basic uh, uh, infrastructure replaced and maintained. And so that's been a big part of what we've done. And then trail improvements and, and fire road improvements. You know, most of our trails and fire roads start out as logging roads or ranching roads, weren't built for recreation or for sustainability. And so we've been able to make important improvements that are funded by Measure A. We've also been focused on equity uh, through a community grants program by reducing and eliminating many of our fees uh, through a program with the libraries to have free passes available to anyone with a library card. Uh, partnering with Marin Community Clinics to prescribe park activities to their uh, clients. And uh, in Marin City by funding the operations and maintenance of Rocky Graham Park, a new park there. Uh, other work has been focused at you know, sustaining these really important ecosystems that, that we manage. We've been able to acquire key lands that were on the community's wish list for many, many years, like out at Bowman Canyon or at Buck's Landing. Um, we're able to work on wetland restoration and plan some important sea level rise adaptation projects that are a uh, few, they're major projects that are getting close to, um, to implementation, potential implementation. Um, and then, uh, you know, protecting biodiversity, we've been able to be a part of one TAM to look at, at science and, and um, land management really at a landscape level together with our federal and state partners, um, which has been really great. Uh, these funds also help to uh, sustain and protect farmland out in West Marin through a grant program to purchase agricultural easements and to provide stewardship uh, Measure A has helped to protect uh, over 6,000 acres of farmland in West Marin and is, is required to leverage at least that much money from outside sources. So um, its, its work has gone beyond just the dollars that it has to use. And then with city and town parks, their uses really reflect those that of ours. And you've seen many presentations of those uses, but everything from, you know, sport courts like are pictured here and ball fields to um, 
fire fuel reduction in open space and acquiring new park and open space lands for cities and towns. And then, uh, as you mentioned, Chair, uh, there's, we've gone through a long process of engaging the community starting about nine months ago. Um, I'll describe it briefly, but um, you know, just to say in June, when the, when the board instructed us to uh, work on putting this measure in the ballot, they asked uh, myself and our team to create an open, transparent process that as many communi community members as possible could engage in. And so we've really kept that at the center of, of our process. Um, so starting in August, we launched a community survey online. We got over 2,700 responses from community members. Uh, Kevin and I met with uh, 45 different community groups and individuals to get more in-depth feedback on the expenditure plan. Uh, we presented the results of those uh, engagement activities to our board and to the Parks and Open Space Commission and got more important feedback. Um, we used that feedback to craft a first draft of what a potential expenditure plan and uh, and ordinance might look like. We brought that to our commission and the board and got, got more feedback on that. We made some additional changes and uh, came back to our Parks and Open Space Commission on January 20th, and they recommended that, uh, that expenditure plan and ordinance to the board. Uh, and with the few minor changes uh, that were made by the board on the 8th this past Tuesday, uh, they conducted and approved the first reading of the ordinance, which will come back uh, on the 15th next week. So uh, the key themes from all of that engagement, you know, this community uh, really has a strong connection with the outdoors and with the natural beauty of the landscape. Uh, people love their parks in Marin. It's why a lot of people move to Marin and live here. Uh, people often visit parks and open space trails as a part of their every day or every week lives. It's where they walk their dog, especially in the pandemic, it's where they meet friends or uh, have a safe place to go and kind of recharge and, and uh, uh, help their, their mental health and their physical health. Um, you know, another thing we heard is that people have an increased concern awareness around wildfire, that the last four or five years have brought devastating wildfire seasons to the state and the country and that, um, you know, I think reasonably people are aware of climate change and its impacts and that uh, we're likely to continue to see uh, increased risk of wildfire and that it's important to adapt our communities to uh, and our open spaces to uh, changing climate. And, um, and then, you know, we heard some concern and some new exciting ideas about the uh, sustainable agricultural component of the measure. And so um, made some changes to respond to that <coughs> that I'll highlight a little later. And then also that transparency and oversight, the work that your committee does is really important to the community. So uh, just to go over briefly, this is the current allocations of the measure, so 65% comes to Marin County Parks and Open Space. 20% goes into a grant program for uh, farmland preservation. And then 15% goes to cities, towns, and special districts for park uses. This was the first draft that I mentioned um, that uh, proposed increasing the County Parks and Open Space component to 75%. 
to create a new set aside for wildfire protection, uh, reduced the agriculture component to 10% and broadened it and kept cities and towns at 15%. And then after further feedback, uh, our, the, the current proposal and, the, and what the board uh, uh, approved in the first reading uh, on Tuesday uh, keeps the park, county parks and open space component at 65%. <clears throat> it keeps the agriculture component at 20%, but again broadens it and uh, keeps cities and towns at 15%. And you know it keeps all of the accountability and oversight uh, investments. So as you well know, there's a 5% cap on administrative costs. There's your community oversight committee that would continue with the new measure and uh, there's also continued uh, independent audits like we'll get a report on today. Uh, and then, uh, so just a little bit more info about the county parks and open space, 65%. This would also create a new uh, allocation for a wildland fire protection of 25% of the 65%. Um, and that would be to provide direct services for uh, fuels reduction on parks and open space preserves. It also proposes to reduce the land acquisition uh, allocation from 20% down to 10%. In the initial measure, we brought in about $16 million for that, uh, that allocation, and we only spent about $8 million. So uh, we only spent about half of that 20%. So that's why one of the reasons that we recommended this 10%. And then uh, it keeps the 65% of the 65% for all the other park and open space uses I described earlier. Um, and then uh, the sustainable agriculture component of 20%. So uh, this broadens uh, that uh, component to allow for uh, different funding areas and I haven't updated this since the board meeting. The board made some uh, uh, one change to this area. So essentially the formula for this 20% would be 20% would go, 20% of the 20% would go to the Moran RCD, the Resource Conservation District, to do stewardship projects on ag land like uh, riparian restoration or uh, carbon farming work. And then, uh, and then 50% of this 20% would go to uh, ags, to, to easements, the purchase of agricultural easements. And then 30% of this 20% would be in a grant program to fund uh, projects like community gardens or wildlife corridors on working lands, things like that. And then this is looking at all those categories just in terms of the actual dollar amounts. And we're, you know, this year, I think our estimate is that the, the quarter cent will bring in uh, about $16 million. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then this is looking at next steps. So on the 8th, the, we had the first appearance with the Board of Supervisors. We come back next week on the 15th for the second appearance, and that's when the board would uh, potentially approve the ordinance and expenditure plan and also approve a resolution to put this on the ballot on June 7th. And we just need to complete that entire process by March 11th to meet the deadline to get on the June ballot. And that is the end of my presentation. Okay.
uh, fellow commissioners, anybody have any questions? I'm sure we want to start with Jeff. I wanted to ask um, Max that you would, would your proposal initially reduced the um, agricultural part of it down to 10, and then supervisors moved it back up to where it was. My assumption is that you moved it down based on public comment and input and such. And then I was wondering if there's any information available to us as to why the supervisors decided to move it back to where it was. And is there any concern about that having an impact on uh, reinstituting the Measure A tax? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, we did, uh, we've done, like I mentioned, we, done, we, we did a bunch of outreach through this process. And of course, you know, that's not a scientific process. We put out a poll, it wasn't a random sample of the community. And we got a lot of really great engagement around uh, these issues, but um, you know, I, I think uh, it's it's important to to recognize that it's iterative process, and we heard engagement all the way through the process. So we heard some initial engagement and ideas and concerns. You know, as this as we went further in the process, we heard from a lot of voices from the agricultural community, but also from other community organizations and, and individuals who really, you know, talked authentically about the value of this agricultural program, both in terms of stewardship and in terms of the ag easements. And I think, you know, it wasn't just the Board of Supervisors, the Parks and Open Space Commission that uh, community member Stomp serves on also, I think, had similar feedback to us that that this component of Measure A was very important and that you know one of the things that I heard was that the agriculture in West Marin, you know, we have something very unique here, right? Next to a very urban area, we have a productive, economically viable um, <coughs> uh, agricultural economy that is on the cutting edge of sort of sustainability you know, organic farming, cap recapturing some of the carbon um, through methane digesters and things like that, putting, sequestering carbon in the soil through like, you know, cutting edge composting techniques and things like that. And that all that didn't happen by chance. It happened because um, there was a vision from the community to support something like that. And so what I really heard from the Parks and Open Space Commissioners and also from the Board of Supervisors was a recognition that that, that was something that was had a long-term importance to the community and they wanted to make sure that, you know, we didn't lose that, lose sight of that. Thank you. Yeah, I think we had some pretty compelling presentations by some of the people in the agricultural community that really shed light on the positive impact that it really has versus the slight negative impact that gets portrayed, I think, in the media by a few. I think that was demonstrated that it wasn't really everybody speaking the negative stuff versus some. Dan Daniel. Yeah, I'd like to get it into the record that when we're talking about farmland and West Marin and everything, we're really talking about a lot of grassland, all right? and. Grass sequesters 175% of the carbon, okay, and stores it on the root systems in it compared to what a tree does. And when you consider that, and you're talking about global warming and everything and that, that's a contributing factor. And one of the big reasons probably for global warming is the fact that we've lost a tremendous areas of grassland in history. 
historically speaking, is especially applicable. So, um, Alan Savoy, I believe his name is, he's done a lot about grasses, how to use them, how to implement them, and how it actually just makes what's desert bloom again. In fact, a lot of stuff's coming out of Africa that where the Sahara has been creeping in and everything, and the African people themselves have been able to reverse that with simple things like, because they do get rain. They just, they get it all at once like we did this year, and then it was gone, okay? And they put in just simple little berms of, to keep the water from just running off that it stayed there. And having done this for a period of time, they're now growing trees, and they have some shade where they didn't have shade, and they've been able to, you know, stop the sand from just taking over the, their village and everything. Plus, because it stores it, their wells don't get dry, okay? And so this is something that when we're talking, and I, I, it gets me that when we want to not water our lawns and get rid of our lawns, we should not get rid of our lawns because that's where the carbon's stored, okay? The thing is, is when you change that plant and you replant it with shrubs and everything in that, you're actually contributing to desertification. And you, a desert doesn't produce anything and it releases all that carbon. Hey, so, Daniel? Yes? I want to interrupt, but I want to keep our focus on the topic, which is the renewal here. And from okay, all four well, of the grassland this is, this discussions, is, yeah, but I okay. think I think we just want to kind of keep us focused. So if you, I guess what I'm looking for is more, any questions to Max regarding the renewal and all of that stuff? Mary, do you have any questions? Yeah, so we talked about this at the uh, Parks and Open Space Commission that we have some funding remaining in our park acquisition fund. And what was that balance again? Uh, $8 million. $8 million. So it, I mean, and that makes sense because if we're gonna purchase something, we've gotta keep funds and have enough funds to purchase. But are we, uh, it feels like maybe we're, we're a little more passive on those acquisitions. Uh, and is, is the concern about acquiring additional properties, the ongoing um, park maintenance expenses and improvements, and you know, how, are you, how do you factor that in? And how, do you, how are you making decisions on which properties to acquire? So with that $8 million, are you looking for another $4 million and you have a project that you're, you're looking at or What's sort of the rationale for acquisitions of parks? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, commi or committee member Stump. And I, you know, I think we'll, uh, we are actually planning in the not too distant future to come to the, actually your commission, the Parks and Open Space Commission with a more detailed presentation. Actually, Indigo Bannister, who's one of our planners uh, who joined our team not too long ago, has been st starting work on sort of taking a deep dive into our acquisitions policy. And, and I can tell you that the way we approach acquisitions um, is we're not passive. I think we're very active in working with the community. We have a really fortunate to have a really engaged community who uh, many different communities within Marin who have interests in different, protecting different properties as parks or open space preserves. Um, you know, we're, what we really look for are um, places that have 
uh, recreational or ecological importance. That's a countywide level importance that are connected to our existing park or preserve system and are accessible. So not something that's like landlocked behind a bunch of private parcels um, and uh, properties that don't have uh, significant threats or liabilities to the surrounding community or that um, or where the threats or liabilities could not be mitigated. So there's certainly a, a number of properties that we've we're active. Our team is actively working on and uh, and and of course, that's a. Um, it can be a challenging process, uh, but uh, yeah, we will come back in more detail in the near future. Are those the only funds from the current measure A that would roll over into the next period? No, all the funds roll over. No, I mean, is that, have we expended the other, in the other categories, no. have we expended those funds or are we expected to expend those funds by the end of this current period? I believe there's a fund balance in all of the allocations. So it's just bigger, smaller, and some. So okay. within our within our 65% for just parks and open space, county parks and open space, there's about, we're, we're expecting to have about, I think it's like four and a half million uh, uh, in our fund balance. And that'll help keep our team operational through this gap Okay. And, and also for a time, so if the measure is not successful, we have some time to wind things down. Uh, and uh, and then there's, I think like six million. In uh, yeah, about six and a half in the agriculture, but there's a, a couple pending applications for easements that we're working with with our partners on. And then uh, and the cities and towns also has a has a fund balance as well, but we would expect that to be small. Small. And okay. Thank you. Commissioner Car Carolyn Lowell, do uh, you, you have any questions or anything you'd like clarifications? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. Uh, do we have any public comment? Obviously, nobody in the gallery, but Al, do we have anybody um, in the cyber world? Al, are you there? Okay, Al, uh, so we just finished discussing the Measure A uh, re-implementation and we had comments by the commissioners and we're, we have nobody in the gallery for public comment. We're curious if you have anybody who'd like to make comment. Sure, Marilyn, there are no speakers in the queue. Great, thank you very much. Okay, so now really kind of the marquee item of our, uh, one of our marquee items is the audits. Uh, so the first one we have is the overall audit by the Badawi group. Uh, I know that we have, uh, we should have the, looks like this, this audit. And do we have representatives from the Badawis or Chris, you're gonna make the presentation? 
I'll go ahead and tee this one up. Um, yeah, thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, it's my pleasure to um, to introduce um, our consultants over at Badawi and Associates. Uh, they're going to be presenting on their annual audit. Um, the audit period uh, is the fiscal year that concluded June 30th, 2021. Uh, so it was last fiscal year. That's the audit information that you're going to be hearing from. Uh, as Kevin mentioned earlier in the bylaws, this is one of the requirements of the ordinance uh, in an effort to maintain that transparency and public trust uh, to make sure that we're using these Measure A funds uh, in compliance with the expenditure plan uh, as attached to the ordinance that the voters did approve. Uh, also, I'd like to recognize and thank um, Yvonne Zupko, our uh, admin services uh, manager, uh, who has been uh, kind of the, the backbone in helping us maintain uh, and coordinate our financial uh, operations with respect to Measure A, and certainly the coordination with um, Badawi and Associates. So with that, um, Matesh, is, uh, Matesh Desai is uh, joining us via Zoom. So with that, he's gonna be sharing his screen. I will go ahead and turn it over to him, uh, if we can make him a panelist, and uh, he, he's gonna be giving us a presentation. Great. Thank you, Chris. Let me try to share my screen. Currently saying disabled. We see you. Yeah. <laughs> we hear you. Mr. Desai, Sorry. try again, please. Okay, got it. Um, let's try here. Okay, I think now everyone should be able to see my presentation. Yeah, we're good. Uh, all right. Well. Uh, Thank you, Chair and members of the committee. Um, so we've completed our audit for 2021 of Measure A. And um, I have a brief presentation. Uh, we'll be going over the engagement team, the deliverables and scope of the audit, uh, compliance risks and the audit approach, the results of the audit, our auditor's report, uh, some required communications uh, for auditing standards that we need to make to the committee and we'll leave some time at the end to conclude. And if there are any questions or discussion items, I'm happy to, to answer those. So our engagement team, so this is an org chart of what our audit team uh, looked like. So I was the engagement principal. So I was overall in charge of the audit. Uh, I had one senior, Edward Pasesky, who was helping me on the audit. And we also had one audit staff who was assisting in the audit process. Um, also, we have a quality control reviewer who is separate from the engagement team in reality, but they provide an independent uh, review of our report and our work papers, to make sure we followed um, uh, auditing standards and, and firm policies. On slide number five here are our deliverables. So. The, the document you're looking at includes our report on compliance with Measure A, a report on uh, internal controls over compliance over Measure A, and also a report on the schedule of Measure A revenues and expenditures that's included in the, in the report. Um, so we just verify that we will perform auditing procedures to determine if those revenues and expenditures are correctly stated. In terms of our audit approach, um, so this is kind of the, the different phases of the audit that we follow. Um, nothing 
substantially unique to our firm. These are generally the auditing requirements. So the first phase is planning where we, uh, and this is an audit that we've been doing for a few years. So it just requires us to review previous years, uh, audit reports, previous years work papers, look at the ordinance again, um, and again, reconfirm what we believe are the significant areas to be audited. Uh, we perform a risk assessment. Uh, risk assessment includes um, identifying and understanding um, the measure A requirements, interviewing county staff to understand their processes over compliance and revenues and expenditures. We also identify key controls. Uh, so con key controls would include uh, reviews, reconciliations, approvals uh, that we incorporate in our testing. Uh, we also perform, then we would perform our detailed tests of compliance, which mainly include revenue and expenditure testing. And lastly, we draft the report and, and issue our report um, pretty much concluding on whether we believe there was compliance or non-compliance. Um, in terms of auditing standards, our audit approach or the auditing standards in general are a risk-based approach, uh, meaning that uh, previously or prior to the risk-based auditing standards, um, the audit approach was to perform a checklist of auditing procedures on all audit areas, so to speak. Uh, with the risk-based approach, it requires the auditor to identify potential areas more susceptible to error or non-compliance, or what are the critical areas, and apply our focus uh, to those areas. These are some risks uh, relating to compliance that we've identified, not that they are necessarily unique or problematic to something that we've identified at the county. These are just more inherent risks. Um, so the measure A uh, revenues may have been improperly recorded in another fund. Uh, so we address this risk by confirming the revenues with the state of California Department of Tax and uh, fee administration. So they publish a report of the measure A revenues. So we just compare those uh, numbers to what's in the measure A fund and verify all of it was recorded in the measure A fund. Um, there may be a misallocation of measure A revenues to the three various programs. So we recalculated how much needed to be deposited into each separate program and um, verified that the county did this correctly. There may be allowable costs uh, charged to measure A. So as part of our audit, we select a sample of payroll and vendor payments and contractual payments and other disbursements that may not necessarily be contractual or supplies. And we determine if those are in compliance with measure A, um, ensuring that they are for the purposes that uh, those different programs are for. Um, as part of the parks and uh, open space program, there's supposed to be, there's a limit set on how much administrative costs can be charged. Um, so we verify that those administrative costs were not exceeded um, as part of our test. So those are our main uh, compliance tests that we perform. Uh, we also reviewed the report that was prepared by the county for measure A to make sure that those, that report was not materially misstated or didn't present different amounts than what actually occurred. Uh, in terms of our auditor's report, so 
we've issued an unmodified opinion, which uh, means that um, pretty much depend on, I mentioned that the audit, uh, audit was performed in accordance with uh, generally accepted, accepted auditing standards and government auditing standards. But an unmodified opinion means, it's referred to as a clean opinion. So what that means is that the county complied with measure A in all material respects. Um, we don't have any um, internal control issues over compliance. We don't have any deficiencies. And um, also the schedule of revenues and expenditures is fairly stated in all material respects. Okay. Uh, just going over some financial slides, and um, this is just a trend of expenditures, revenues, and unspent proceeds. So as was mentioned, not all the uh, Measure A monies have been spent yet. So you, you've been accumulating some monies as you collected and spent them during the past uh, period. So there's, this is just a chart from 2014 so you can see that expenditures have been growing overall. I think there are some spikes in 2018, 19, and 20, which I mainly believe were due to acquisition of land and, and easements. Um, otherwise, the revenues, which are your sales tax revenues, have been consistent. A um, few drops here and there, but generally they've been consistent over the past three years, over the past, sorry, um, about seven or eight years. Uh, this is just looking at your park and open space program. This is looking at expenditures and, and revenues, just focusing on the park and open space program. Um, so I think there was much lower expenditures this year because last year there was some one-time program expenditures, I believe for the land and easement expenditures. So this year there wasn't any, uh, which I think you're just accumulating funds until you have something else to incur but otherwise nothing significant there. Uh, this is your farmland preservation program. So you can see the expenditures for this program. I think this is another program where monies are accumulated until there's enough funds for a significant um, acquisition or program expenditures. And you can see that your revenues have been consistent. It's the same like the other program and uh, the expenditures, you just have one big spike in 2018. And then since then, I think this, the, the county has been accumulating monies until there's another big program expenditure. Uh, this is your town and uh, city town and applicable special district program. And here you can see that the revenues and expenditures are pretty close because I think Generally, all these monies are uh, encumbered to be passed along to those other entities to be spent as long as they have a approved um, program or a approved budget uh, as to how they're going to be using those those monies. So this you can see is quite pretty, pretty consistently the same um, from 2014 to 2021. Uh, this is a chart just looking at the three programs. So I added up um, for each program how much was spent since 2014. So you can see so far since 2014, 
66% of the expenditures have been for park and open space, and then 17% has been spent for farmland preservation and uh, city, town, and special districts, which um, is maybe not necessarily in line with um, what how the revenues are being deposited, but as you saw in the previous charts, there's accumulated fund balance in the farmland preservation program, so it'll catch up, I would think, in future years as those monies are spent down. Uh, this is looking at expenditures by category. So you'll see in the financial schedule, in our audit report, the expenditures are classified by salaries and benefits, supplies, uh, services and supplies, administration cost, acquisition land and easements. You can see that since the inception of the, pro of the measure, 35% has been spent so far on personnel costs. 47% uh, has been spent on services, supplies, and few capital outlays. 12% uh, has been spent on acquisition of land and easements. And 6% of the expenditures have been uh, for administration and other financial services. Uh, here, I just wanted to go over our uh, required communication. So, in terms of um, our responsibilities under US uh, GAS, which stands for Generally Accepted Auditing Standards. So our responsibility as far as our as being the auditors is to express an opinion on Marin County Parks uh, compliance with Measure A, evaluate internal controls over compliance, evaluate the tone at the top, uh, communicate with the governing body on the uh, results of the audit, uh, management, they're responsible for everything else. So they're responsible for compliance with the measure, uh, establishing and maintaining internal controls, uh, making all financial records available to us, establishing internal controls in relation to fraud, uh, informing us if there were instances of fraud, uh, complying with laws and regulations, and to take corrective action if we have audit, audit findings. Uh, our responsibility includes independence. So as was mentioned, uh, the reason why you go and hire a consultant is for transparency reasons. You want uh, a bias-free uh, opinion as to whether you're doing everything correctly. So our responsibility as the auditors are to make sure we don't do anything to impair that independence. Uh, so we follow the rules that are set by the uh, California Board of Accountancy and the AICPA to make sure we are independent of the county and the program. Uh, that would include not performing any management uh, duties such as recording journal entries or providing, uh, just in, in terms of acting like management in a sense. Um, in terms of timing of the audit, so that was, that was performed uh, timely. Uh, we didn't have any significant audit adjustments we didn't have any difficulties in performing the audit. Uh, we did not have any disagreements with management. Uh, we didn't have any, we didn't identify any material weaknesses over internal control at the county uh, in relation to measure A. Uh, we will be getting a representation letter uh, from the county that will, a representation letter from management Pretty much is management representing to us that all the information provided for the audit uh, was 
proper, complete, accurate, and they take ownership of the of the financials information that's in that report. Uh, and we have not become aware of any instances of fraud or illegal acts as we perform our audit. Uh, to clarify our responsibility in terms of, of the audit is not necessarily to identify fraud or look for fraud. Uh, that would require a different set of procedures. Um, however, our responsibility is to disclose uh, any fraud if it does come to our attention as part of our audit. Um, so any material instances of fraud would should have been identified as part of our audit. And that I'd like to thank um, you for providing, allowing us to provide audit services to the county. And I'm happy to answer any uh, questions if there are any. All right, thank you, Matesh. Uh, and before I turn it back over to you, Chair, I just I just want to take a moment to to recognize our our entire administrative services team. Uh, it takes a tremendous amount of work to spend a tremendous amount of public resources here, and doing it in such a way where we can, with a straight face, say that we've had nine consecutive years of clean audits, which is very important to us as an organization, but more importantly to the public who've entrusted us with these funds. So, um, you know, every step of the way from the, the planning, the organizing, the, the actual execution of the work to the financial payments and contracting and all of that, there's a tremendous amount of effort that goes into that. Uh, and I think it's, it's just a, a, a point in time to recognize the support that uh, our admin services team and the, tr the hard work that they've put in uh, to help get us to this point today. Uh, and with that, um, we do have our admin services manager, uh, Yvonne Zupko, as well as Matesh uh, on the line on Zoom for to answer any questions that you all may have. Okay, thank you very much, Chris, and I second that. I certainly recognize that the 15 minutes that Matesh presented his audit doesn't re represent or reflect the probably close to thousands of hours that are put in by all the different people who have to do all this. And it's amazing that we don't have more problems when you think about all the things that could go wrong and it all lines up. It's almost miraculous. So definitely give you guys a lot of credit. Um, okay, so I'd, I'd like to open up to any questions from commissioners. Mary, you have a question. Yeah, I have a couple questions. Um, how many years has this particular firm been uh, doing the audit for the county? Uh, I'll go ahead and take the first swing at it, but I don't know. I, I believe that they've been our consultant the entire run, but in accordance with the the accounting practices and the law, um, we have been required to change principles, so the leadership of the individual audits. So, um, When's the last time a principle was changed? Two years ago. Two, yeah, I think it was just two years ago. Yeah. Okay. So what what is the policy of the county? It, how often do you change principles? Uh, I, I want to say we're is it three or four years, right? I feel like I'm on the spot here. I, I just Sorry. Know, <laughs> no, it's okay. I just remember having this discussion two years ago, and we worked directly with the Department of Finance to determine the correct transition. Okay. And instead of flying a completely new um, solicitation, yeah. we determined that it was best just to switch partners. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a really that's a good practice if you're going to stay with the same firm. And that that was my question. Um, I guess my question to um, the accounting firm is, you mentioned that you use the uh, 
County of Marin's Department of Finance Internal Audit Division, uh, their report, and their report is a year old. So you've got like this lag in data of nearly, you're looking at, at this point, nearly two years old. How, how are you reconciling their report with your report when you have a full, a solid year between the two? Right, I can clarify. I didn't mean the internal auditor's report. Uh, I meant the annual report that is published by the county. I think it's just a more informational report about what occurred. And then there's some financial information about measure A in there. So that, that's the report I referred to. So, so then the question is to staff is, why is the county's report so stale dated? Well, the sub you're talking about the subrecipient report. Um, the internal audit. Are you confusing the two different audits? There's two. There's one. That's no, I the, know. There's the there's the Department of yeah. Finance internal the, audit. The subrecipient report. Right. Yes, that's there, there's that's so there's, a different presentation that we're going to be getting here shortly. Okay. And that one is and that one is much more in arrears. Yes. Yes. Okay. This, this one, uh, the report that you just heard from Badawi, and it's directly in line with our annual report that you received a copy of. Okay. Is for the the most recent fiscal year, the yeah. one, the year prior. So. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, and to clarify, maybe just that part of his process is to also make sure that the county report for the subrecipient is also reflected in here that it's been done properly. But because there's a lag in time. They can only really, you know, sequence of, of events here. Right. I, di I didn't mean to shut you down, Mary. Go ahead. No, just, Do you have any other? No. Okay. And, and, and I will say that I recall from previous um, meetings that we have asked these questions about the rotation of the mm -hmm. auditors. And I guess I want clear how often is there impetus for us to rotate Badawi? Not that we have any reason to, but is there is there any kind of guidelines on how often we change firms? I don't know that there are, but I, oh. we can follow up with the Department of Finance because, okay. of course, you know they're our county experts on on that, and and get a recommendation, bring it back to your committee. Okay. It just as a, if I may, as a I'm a CPA, so as a as it's just it's good practice every so often and maybe it's now 10 years down the road to put it out to bid and you may end up choosing the same auditor but as long as they're rotating principles on a regular basis then there is an extra level of control in there right right and i also know we discussed whether it was like a compilation report audit what type of level and i know that that was all kind of clarified too so okay how about our new commissioner? Do you have any questions at all about the audit? Uh, I'm fine for right now. Thank okay. Daniel, do you have any questions or concerns or anything that came up to you? Good for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, obviously there's not much. I'm, I don't go past the balance sheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good place to start, though. I have no questions. Okay. Okay. And, and I don't really have too many questions. I did have, um, and maybe I wasn't paying a lot of attention, but at some point you mentioned that the administrative cost was at 6% and my understanding was we're, aren't we limited to 5%? Was there, um, 
Yeah, that that portion was also in, it said administrative uh, costs plus other expenses, and the other expenses that were in there were the board of equalization fees, uh, the cost to actually for the franchise tax board to collect the revenue oh, right. and distribute. So there's and that the, so that's the kind of encompassing those as well. So that's why it's administrative plus, I guess, if you will. Okay. So it was I know that before we were allowed the the ballot initiative said that we're allowed five percent of the proceeds pay for administration it, are we in alignment with that if we're yes. outside with the six that yeah. doesn't i mean yeah i think as, as he as mitesh presented it it was a little bit more than just the the what is the qualifying administrative expenses okay but that doesn't put us in any jeopardy of being outside of proportion to what we okay um and the only other question i have just more for record keeping how 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 are these recorded and where do they exist? So if there's ever a question 10 years from now about the audit or question about it, uh, is it something that we can retrieve and support? I mean, is it recorded in county records? Is Yeah. I mean, of course, now it's easy to find. If you go to our website uh -huh. and you go to About Us on our website and click Measure A, there's a whole Measure A page. And on that page, it's split up into every single year and in each year, it's got a link for the uh, annual report and then a link for the audit for that okay. year. So anybody, yeah, so okay. anybody from the community can go and click and, and, and check out those items anytime. Okay, great. Well, I think that's, sounds like that's all the questions or comments we have up here. Uh, once again, I will go to public comment out in the galley and don't see anybody has come in the door. So. We'll go to Al. Do we have any other public comment? Sure, Malin. There are no speakers in the queue. Great. Okay. So this is an action item. So we are going to need a uh, motion to approve this audit, which is just the overall independent auditor's report um, for the fiscal year ending June 30th, 2021. I'll make that motion. Okay. We have a second? Second. Okay. Caroline? Okay, with that, we have uh, all those in favor of adopting this? Aye. 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 Any, anyone opposed? Okay, sounds like that was unanimous. So that allows us to move on to the next uh, agenda item, which is the um, subrecipient audit, which is prepared by the Department of Finance, um, and I forget her name already. Margie, Margie Roberts. Roberts. Margie Roberts. Thank you, Margie. I'm so sorry. I, I should have had your name on here. Uh, so, uh, Chris, do you want to introduce us or take the? Sure. I'll just just quickly frame it, and then I'll turn it over to um, to Margie. This is um, an, again one of our um, efforts to maintain transparency and ensure that the the grant program to the cities, towns, and special districts is in compliance with the expenditure plan and the ordinance. So. Uh, our partners at the Department of Finance, led by Margie Roberts uh, and her team, uh, do conduct these an, um, these reports or these uh, audits annually. Uh, and as uh, was mentioned previously, that they are a bit in arrears. But Margie can explain a little bit more as to why that is the case, uh, and certainly as she dives into her presentation. So, Margie, feel free to share your screen and uh, take it away. Um. I wasn't actually, but I'll share my screen. Hold on. Where is it? Where is the share screen button? Um, over here. Do you see it? I know. Sorry, 
What's the green button in your Zoom toolbar? Yeah, but it's not. There it is. I want to. And then share. Okay, there it is. There. Did it work? There we go. Yes. Okay. Uh, good afternoon, um, Measure A Oversight Committee. Um, I'm presenting to you the results of the subrecipient compliance audit for the period July 1st, 2019 through June 30, 2020. So before I get started, I know there was this burning question of why is it so late? Um, <laughs> when we first started this, um, it's actually it, technically in my mind, it's not really late. It's just reported to you uh, now. However, our work already have started for this particular audit report, June 30, ending June 30, 2020. We started our work in April of 2021, which is nine months after the year end. And that was an intentional um, part. It was intentional on our part because we would like to give the subrecipients enough time to close their own books and then deal with um, compliance uh, audit with the County of Marin on Measure A. So that's why it was, um, it looks like it's delayed. However, the work had already been completed since April of 2021. So I hope that answered the question on the delay. Um, so moving on, uh, I wanted to highlight, I know this is an eight page, but the meat of our audit is actually on um, page seven, which is our conclusion. I'm gonna move to page seven. And I'm happy to report that there are no exceptions found. So we have audited the subrecipient compliance to the specific requirements described in the Measure A expenditure plan for the period uh, July 1st, 2019 through June 30, noting no findings. So the basis of our uh, opinion or the basis of our conclusion um, is on uh, the scope and approach that we have, which is on page six. Back to page six. So we performed our testing through inquiry, inspection, and examination during the scope period. And um, for us to do that, our specific procedures were um, we assess the adequacy of internal controls. We obtain and document an understanding of the overall measure A fund funding and disbursement procedures. Uh, and on a sample selection basis, we obtained a high level understanding of the internal control structure maintained by the subrecipients through an examination of the respective measure A work plan and corresponding expenditure reports they submit to Kevin. And this assessment helped inform framework and uh, our audit, the framework of our audit and the scope of our substantive audit procedures. We verified that the subrecipients maintained their measure A funds in either a separate bank account or a special revenue fund by obtaining and reviewing copies of their general ledger as of June 30, 2020. We also confirmed the subrecipients cash balance of the measure A fund as of June 30, 2020 by agreeing the total measure a um, measure A life-to-date disbursement received less their life-to-date measure expend, measure A expenditure 
uh, spent and report as of June 30, 2020. In instances where there were cash reconciliation items as of June 30, we reviewed for reasonableness and reconciled the corresponding supporting documentation for completeness and accuracy. We also did on a sample basis, we verified that the measure expenditures incurred and reported by the subrecipients were spent in accordance with the requirements stipulated within the measure A expenditure plan. We traced the subrecipient expenditures to supporting invoices and payment details and reviewed the nature of each expenditure to determine if it was allowed in accordance with the expenditure plan in uh, of measure A. So on our findings and recommendations, which is the next page, As a result of our audit procedures, we noted no exceptions. And therefore, we gave you a claim report. Um, do you have any questions so far? Oh, maybe I wanna add something more. Yes, Sorry. I think we do. We have one question. Uh, Mary Stahl, uh, would you? Yeah, just to follow up on my question previously, I understand you wanna give the jurisdictions time to close their books but as a but as a member of the citizen oversight committee i think it's more important to have timely information um, regarding and being accountable to the public because we're using public funds and in in my world i have compliance audits throughout the entire year and i don't have to close my books to have an audit um, so why, if you, is it possible for us to request this presentation so that it's in, has the same uh, time period as the annual audit? And, and because I don't see that why there would be a requirement that jurisdictions that are getting county funding have to close their books and, and there'd be this huge lag of time in order to go through a, an audit. Committee, if, if I may, I feel like there's some information missing about the overall process. And in future meetings, I'm going to, I think maybe create a slide that like kind of shows the flow chart of how sequences. the audits fit into the overall oversight process with staff. Because unlike the Badawi audit and how Marin County Parks is audited, which is the auditor working with one organization, Margie's team, uh, in partnership with me as staff is working with over 30 different organizations to spend this money. Mm -hmm. And so the oversight process before the auditing actually even takes place starts with the approval of work plans, which is how they can receive half of their money and then the approval of expenditure reports. The expenditure report process is basically where they say, here's how we matched item for item in our work plan that we said we'd spend money on. And then also here is like all of our documentation to back it up. And the first line of oversight is me going through all of that before we disperse their next pot of funding saying, this all looks like what you agreed to. And then during that time when they're submitting all that paperwork, then Margie's team takes those records and they actually send out a letter to every single subrecipient mm -hmm. and say, you must provide this additional information so we have complete records. And then Margie and I talk and we actually say, what are the, the greatest risk subrecipients this year? And we create, you know, I think Margie had like 
14, I think she puts A's next to them or something, but um, organizations she'll dive deeper in each year, mm -hmm. and then they do a really thorough audit of like 10 to 14 organizations. So it comes a year after the Badawi audit because it's so much more complicated, but also we found there's actual like auditing and oversight happening throughout the entire year. There's a lot of coaching. There's actually sitting with people in offices and making sure the money's spent. So it's actually much more intensive because of the range of organizations we're working with and also just the sheer number of organizations receiving money. Are they required to spend the funds within the fiscal year? No, they're not, no. except for the community grantees, which so are why, required. Why not? Because the city and town program allows cities and towns to retain funding they've received to pay for larger infrastructure projects like tennis courts, restrooms, et cetera. But couldn't they report then the, what balance they had as of that, that end of June 30th? They and, do, they do. And they do, right. Yep. But then, and then, and then they're getting audited on that balance and then the expenditures? Exactly, which is all concentrated in a dedicated measure A fund, which makes it a little easier on us. But yeah, that's all reported at multiple levels and then ultimately audited. It just, it, it just seems like a little bit of a lag, yeah. I mean, like a big lag. Yeah. And it, I mean, just as a, a member of the oversight committee, it, it just feels to me like this data is so old now that, so if I'm overseeing, if my job is to oversee those funds and now we're a year down the road and I'm not gonna see the data through June 30th of 21 until, you know, a year and a half from now, it, it's, it, it feels like there could be a more expedited um, process. I wonder since I'm the one looking at those expenditure reports earlier than ultimately you see a final audit report, mm -hmm. if, you know, we always ask for volunteers from this committee to participate in the auditing reporting to like work more closely with staff. And I almost wonder if in that process, we could have a conversation earlier, like around November or something I have to look at the timeline and think about this more, but where I could talk with those volunteers and we could just like look at the expenditure reporting and like identify any possible concerns. I'm just trying to think about th this process has really helped us and our municipality partners and everybody else to stay out of trouble and have a clean audit record and it's working really well. Uh -huh. So I, I wanna think about a way to provide you that information and maybe we can talk about this. Well, I don't know, going I guess I'd, I'd also say, you know, Separately, committee member Stomp, like if you would like, we can set up a time to for you to connect with our team, but also our partners with the Department of Finance to dive into it and to sort of understand what's created this system and to consider whether there's any improvements that we might want to make. I, I realize it's going well right now, yeah. but if it doesn't go well, mm -hmm. and then we don't know about it until you, you know eighteen months respond. later, right? We can't react. You can't react, right? It's it's done, and it's always it's it's good until it's not, right? And so, and I might be I'm I'm going through 14 audits right now myself, so that's why I'm a little, <laughs> <laughs> and you know they they all have to be done within this is a 12:31 cutoff, and I'm having to ha get them done in 60 days. Right. I know they're different, but but the information is timely, and people can Absolutely. react if there's an issue. I will say that Kevin has presented in the past more further detailed spreadsheets that really show each subrecipient 
what they've received, what they've spent, what's outstanding, and basically a lot of it lists the major projects or what the, the criteria they had to meet. Um, I think this process is more rather than for managing and being, react, being able to react, it's more to be able to certify that everything was done. I think that the, they get the information in time to make sure that they have an ability to react or respond to the cities and say, hey, you're not doing this, you're not in line. And I think what's happening is because the sequence of all those things, that by the time we get this information, it's more of a uh, just a certification. I think it's more of a the final stamp that everything was done than it is. It's such a it's such a trailing metric in some ways. There's no way for us to respond to it. Yeah, I just yeah. I sort of overheard another Zoom meeting going on with yeah. a, another commission for the county, and they were talking about not getting receipts in for various grants that went out, and I'm sitting in the background saying, oh my gosh, and cut them off, and you know, mm. <laughs> thinking of, and, and so it's, it's just a concern. Absolutely. I guess I just add to that it's, it's um, and, and, to, and I think we'll, we can check in to see what improvements we should consider for the future, but that also Kevin and our team and our partners in Department of Finance also take an active role you know pri as we develop budgets to check in with partners as they make expenditures so we're not waiting until there's an audit to see if there's an issue um, you know as with the local cities and towns and special districts there's turnover kevin and i just met with the the um, rent city community services district the general manager just left, a new general manager came on. So Kevin and I met with the new general manager just this last week to talk about measure A and to sit down and go over all the requirements. So it's, you know, I think we take a proactive approach to make sure that our partners are uh, compliant and, and understand the requirements. Yeah, and actually that's a good example because I have a call set up with that general manager. I won't pay her until their reporting is in and accurate <laughs> all my questions are answered well, that's, that's good so yeah okay. that's that's something <laughs> and i just want to say in the spirit of our commission and our duty it is to have that fiduciary concern mm -hmm. and to ask those questions so i really want to encourage those things and we we you know that's our whole point is to pressure you guys and i think part of it is if it's old data it doesn't do us any good yeah. uh, we know but, and i think what's happening is we live in a world where we get a lot of more information quickly or it's just a matter of quick entry, hit a couple buttons and reports before you know someone was all handwriting out spreadsheets and tallying it all up. So I think what's happened is we live in a, in a life now where we expect that stuff. It's hard to accept things that take months when we should be able to get these reports quickly and get downloaded and anyhow. Yeah. Okay. So I so are we were still in um, we were still in uh, Margaret was making her presentation. Is that your your question regarding that yeah. comment? Okay. So, so Margaret, can you, or I should let Chris manage this. Do you want to continue yeah, with? No, I, that's fine. I, yeah. I would, I would certainly turn it back to Margie to see if she had any final comments. I think she was wrapping up, but I th also think she had one more comment that she was trying to make. Oh, the other comment that I wanted to add earlier was that uh, on Appendix A, it pretty much uh, shows you for the fiscal year how much we've disbursed. So maybe I should share my screen. Or can you look at your report? Mm -hmm. um, uh, what we've disbursed as far as us dispersing is $2.3 million. And our sub-recipients spent 
2.1 million dollars and our audit coverage is 73% which is about 3.5 million dollars. Wow. Wow, that's huge. That one, 1. 1.5 million, sorry. I didn't see my own numbers. Um, so it's 73% coverage on this. Um, and I like what Kevin mentioned earlier, he's actually uh, more involved in um, coordinating with the different subrecipients uh, to ensure that they are spending Measure A uh, funds in accordance with the ordinance. Um, so I'm pretty comfortable making uh, every time we go out in an audit, I'm pretty comfortable that the receipts, the invoices that we receive and the way we talk to the different um, sub-recipients, they understand where the money has to go. And that's kind of part of uh, our audit is knowing, not just looking at the invoices, but knowing that the sub-recipients understand where the money should be spent. And um, at the very end, I wanted to appreciate the assistance and cooperation of each of the subrecipients and the staff of the County of Marin during the performance of our audit. And I wanted to thank Michelle Bab Camacho for doing a great job in doing the audit. And I want to thank um, Nina Martinovich and Roy Given for giving their support um, in the compliance audit. Thank you. Great. Okay. Do we have any other questions from any of the commissioners? First of all, I want to thank you too because I recognize all the work and the coordination once again. What we're seeing is just a very small tip of the iceberg that goes on. And um, I know that you, the fact that you've done so many years of such clean reports and everything goes a long way. I think there's probably a lot of drama that we don't know about that goes on in the back seats <laughs> that we probably don't want to know about. But um, thanks for shielding us from all that. So with that, I would like to ask any other commissioners. Yes, uh, I, I do have a question, probably out of ignorance than anything else. But if you go to page five of the sub-recipients audit report, maybe you can help I me. I can't hear you. Oh, She's looking for page five. five. And maybe you can help me sort of understand a little bit more the uh, ability of the sub-recipients to accrue funds and how long they can hold and use them. Because I'm looking at the table in the middle of five that shows um, grants for shortly a six-year period. And the total shows that there's roughly a $4 million delta between the grants that were made during the six-year period and the monies that were actually expended by the sub-recipients. And <clears throat> above it, it says that the annual awards can be accumulated, carried over, or accrued in future years not to extend 10 years from the term. So here we go, I, I think we're stacking lag on top of lag, mm -hmm. which is you've got a lagging audit a little bit. My words, not technical words. Um, yeah. And then also a lag in how the funds are actually and when they're actually expended by the recipients, which I'm tricky to actually always know where you are in terms of where monies are being spent. And so maybe you can just sort through, because I would think it would be difficult to track all of this in real time. And besides, my question about how do you track it in real time is, does that then inform your decision the following year about whether or not you continue the grant if your recipient is accruing whether to use it? Those are two great questions. So to try to answer the first question, 
there, there's a work plan and expenditure report process, and the work plan is due before the start of the fiscal year, and the expenditure plan is due after the end of the fiscal year, and both of those reports that trigger half the funds per year require that each grantee track how much money they have and how they plan to program it. So as staff, I'm able to see how much interest they're making, um, how much they plan to program the coming year and spend on various projects, how much they plan to reserve for things like acquisitions in the case of, I think, San Anselmo and Fairfax, um, or other major capital projects like Memorial Park, for instance, um, in San Anselmo, and then um, how much of a gap there is in money that they're just holding on to and haven't programmed. And so then I can see that at the end of the year as well. And one thing that I do as staff, because I have conversations with both the parks management level staff and also the accounting staff in every single city and town, um, is to just watch, you know, what's going on with their, their hiring, their staffing, um, their project planning. Uh, we invite them in to give presentations and um, to just have conversations about how it's going with spending the money. I think it's in everyone's best interest to spend the money. But at the same time, like Mill Valley has a track record uh, or you know, Muir Beach for that matter of saving up for really large like multi-million dollar projects. So there are definitely some municipalities where they have a track record of accumulating, accumulating, um, Marin was another example, and then doing a big project like they are right now that's really critical. So I think it's a matter of just looking at all that information and you know, obviously partnering with Margie as far as like looking deeply into the numbers, but also just looking at the, the culture and intent of how the money's being spent and just working person to person to make sure that they're, they're planning to use it and it's being used properly. I'd, I'd add so, two. Uh, again, oh. a, another ignorant, I'm sorry, another ignorant question sure. because of the federal experience, <laughs> yeah. experience but uh, within that grant, how much opportunity is there to basically reprogram the funds? That's for the recipient to say, well, I'm asking for and you're granting me to this specific task, but by next year, got a different need, I may be able to, can I reprogram those funds, use it for a slightly different or even total? Yes, they just reach out to me for approval. And that's a good, a good question too. It's like, so the way that those grant funds to the cities, towns, and special districts work us, we as staff can advise and make sure that they're consistent with the, uh, with the ordinance and expenditure plan. But the board of us as staff and the board of supervisors do not have discretion over what projects they fund. Part of okay. an important- it's, it's, a, it's a broad grant. An important part of the measures that they're dispersed on like basically a formula per capita basis with sort of a baseline amount as well. And the cities, towns, and special districts themselves have the discretion of which projects, as long as they're consistent with the um, mission with the of the measure, yeah. are funded. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Really good question. Can I ask a follow-up on that? Absolutely, please. Uh, so why, though, the 10-year period? Because potentially we give we pass through that money to, to these towns and then they, they have 10 years to spend that money. We could be at the, almost near the end of our next Ten years. cycle of Measure A 
and they still haven't spent that money or they're spending that money now. So wouldn't it make sense that there was, if it was 10 years and you wanted to use 10 years, the, the earlier of 10 years or within 12 months of the end of the measure, because you have this whole oversight issue and then what happens when it's sort of beyond the, the end of the, the uh, measure? It's a great question. So in our, the, the ordinance that the board's considering currently that would be placed on the June ballot, mm -hmm. there's language in that ordinance that says that any unspent fund balance will, upon approval of the voters of the new ordinance, be held to the rules of the new expenditure plan approved by voters. So, you know, if the voters didn't pass that ordinance, we would just continue to oversee the funding according to the original 2012 ordinance. But um, otherwise, we'll transition to these slightly different new rules under this new expenditure plan. And um, for the cities and towns, it doesn't really change um, based on what we have in front of us. But um, that, that creates that continuity and oversight and like, you know, rules. So we're not dealing with two different sets of rules. If though you are, if, if a town has still got some year one money from 2012, potentially then, if it then rolls the same rules, potentially they could be holding that until 2032, potentially. Well, and it's not like the, I mean, they have a certain amount that keeps rolling for, even it's within our county component, right? It's not like the money's tracked as this was year one money versus year six money or something like that. You just have each your programming uh, expenditures and then uh, you, you may have fund balance because either you brought in more revenue than you were expecting when you were budgeting or because a project that you were planning on completing doesn't end up happening, you know? And I think an example of why you have that 10 years after the end of the measure to mm -hmm. spend the funds is, um, I'd take like the, the town of San Selmo as an example, right? They, they had been saving up for a project a, park renovation project and they were they were gonna have their own ballot measure to match the measure a funds and and uh, they that is what they'd been planning for for quite a while and it turned out that the voters did not approve that ballot measure so they had to change go back to the drawing board to change what their plans were for the measure a funds because they didn't have that match and so there's the potential for a city or town to plan for something that might be implemented towards the end of the measure and then uh, that might not work out for reasons that are outside of measure A. So they might need some additional time to go through the planning process, design, sequel, all of that for a project to get ready to implement, to utilize those funds. And that could take sev quite a few years potentially. But isn't it true that in the best, in the best interest of the ratepayer, the taxpayer, giving that 10 years is pretty significant and and the opportunity to uh, maybe misuse the intended amount or it sort of get lost in as you move to another measure uh, because the public doesn't the, the public is uh, is approving this new tax measure 
really not understanding, I think, um, that there's this 10-year lag so that there's this money on the table for 10 more years. And so us as an oversight committee, how do we oversee those old Oh, it's not. So it's uh, the fun. 10 years only really comes into play if there's no extension of the measure. Right. So it's if the measure is extended, the existing balance rolls into the new measure. So right. it could be, and it could be uh, utilized that very next year. It's just that whenever, so if the measure is extended, at the end of that extension, then there would be, you know, an additional 10 years just in case the jurisdiction that was getting those per capita or formula funds, their project didn't work out right at the end and they needed some additional time to plan and implement the project. So it's not like we're tracking two sets of funds, some like old funds from the old measure and the new funds from the new measure. Right. No, I understand. Be tracking that. one. There's just carry forward. I'm just all. wondering, like, though, if there should be, and, and it's too late now because the, the, the wording's already been done, but just for the the benefit of, of the taxpayer that there is, when a measure is ending, that there is a, there, there isn't this, that when a measure ends, that they have a certain period of time to spend the funds instead of rolling it over and then being subjected. It just seems like a really long period of time. Right. Well, and I can see. Yeah, so if, if, the, if the measure doesn't pass here, this June, that all the money that's in that fund would have to be spent by the year 2032. That's a lot of time. Well, but and I guess with Hope at all, but typically in the federal system, when you have finite funding sources, mm -hmm. um, there'll be a tagline at the end that says, uh, "Funds available until expended." Mm -hmm. That's never turned into a ten-year period I've ever been avail uh, I've ever been aware of with any federal environmental program. in. Why? Because nobody has enough money, and so the incentive always is there to pretty promptly move through the residual funding. Certainly, some the trick becomes making sure that some purpose, because you want to use the funds to are legitimate, match what the original. So, this will only extend that we can. My experience, the incentives for using funds that are available until so great, I'd be shocked if you end up going to the end of the I think you capture the culture of the cities and towns very well. <laughs> they definitely yeah. appreciate the money and no one is falling behind because they haven't programmed their funding. I mean, they're really like saving toward very specific goals in my experience. So I don't want to say the market will work because it isn't the market, but <clears throat> the, the reality is that state local and federal don't mm -hmm. always work with this. Never no, I know that. Yeah. So I think it's just worth reiterating if the measure passes, this is really a continuation. Yep. So we'll stay with the same process, paperwork, and we'll account for the money as a continuation. If it doesn't pass, then there's a 10 year window where municipalities can finish spending their money before they have to give it back to us, basically. But if I'm a nonprofit, I have. And I get a grant. I have one year to spend that. Just grant. one year. Okay. Yep. Uh, so, Carolyn, when you speak, can I ask you to talk into the microphone? Because I cannot hear you when you talk. Sorry. That's all right. Sorry. That's it's, right. it's the wonderful world of mass. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I just, I'm, I'm struggling to listen yeah, to you. So. Sorry about okay. that. Okay. So, uh, 
I think we've asked, does anyone else have any questions regarding this uh, audit good. itself? Jeff or Jan? Okay, <laughs> and, and I think you've started to answer one of my questions, which is how is it weighted? You mentioned it's by population, it's not by tax receipts or anything like that? For the cities, towns, and special For, districts? Yes. How, mu that how much each one gets? Yes, exactly. If there's a pie yeah. of 100%, how do you know that how much San Anselmo gets versus uh, Rin City? Yeah, yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but my understanding is there's sort of like a baseline amount, so even like a small, very small special district uh -huh. would it's get- It's a flat amount to start it, with. Yeah, and then, there, and then additionally, there's a per capita amount on top of that so that you know larger jurisdictions get a little more. Okay, so and how is that adjusted? Sorry. Just the census every eight years or whatever? It's unfortunately more complicated <laughs> than Max said. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have asked. And I, I'm happy to explain in detail if anyone wants okay, to call, but, but basically the cities and towns are per capita and the special districts decided because of the range of populations that they would have 50% baseline oh. amount, 50% per capita on top of that. So um, they took a slightly different direction. I see. And, and how do you get deemed to be a special district or something like that? I mean, something that the county designates you as a special district and you get? We worked with LAFCO and we identified a number of park managing special districts like Strawberry, Muir Beach, et cetera, et cetera. And then we basically brought them all in and had a discussion about who qualifies and then they all signed grant agreements with the board and we began the program. And we didn't create the special districts. Those were pre-existing special districts where people had voted to create a special. Okay. So special districts are just part of the county that are not an incorporated city and they deem themselves as their own community and that they should receive special services because of their kind of community status. They, they pay for special services within their area. So like examples of it are um, like uh, Tamil Pius Community Services District that provides parks, you know, refuse removal, uh, sewer, or uh, Marin City Community Services District. There's a, yeah, a bunch of examples. Okay, so what's to prevent me from starting my own? I could have my own <laughs> Joe Mayland. You get, yeah, if you get enough people to vote within your neighborhood. Anyway, I got yeah. anything works. <laughs> okay, any, so if there's no more questions from the commission, I'd like to ask if there's any comments or questions from the uh, community, the public. And since there's nobody who's walked in the door here, I'm assuming there's nobody here who's going to ask. Uh, and we'll ask Al if there's anybody who's got any questions. Chair Malin, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay. So, Chair, Chair, before we move on, I just wanted to acknowledge and say a big thank you to Margie Roberts and, and her team for the, the efforts to prepare the audit and then spend time with us today. So, thank you, Margie. Absolutely. And, and I want to second that. And I, and I feel like we let Madish off before we got a chance to thank him, too. So, uh, before we go on to the next thing, I think there's a lot of recognition uh, all the way around, and particularly by the person who leads all this and manages it all and has to sleep with it every night. Okay, so with that, um, we have an action item, so I'm looking for some motions to approve. We have a first. So moved. No, okay, so we have a first. Is there a second? I'll second it. Okay, second. Okay, so we have a first and a second, so now we would like to ask all approve, say yes. Aye. 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 Anybody opposed? No. Okay. Sounds like we're we're good with that on it. Once again, thank you very much, Marjorie. Okay. So the next agenda item um, is an informational item, and that is just a discussion about um, 
the annual um, report, which I think uh, Max is going to present, right? And that's yep. the colored. Yeah, thanks committee members. Uh, so, uh, and if you could share my screen here. Uh, so, a part of our annual process is that we bring a draft of our annual report to your committee. And, um, oh, there it is, perfect, thank you. So, uh, I'm just gonna run through this real quick and then I'm happy to answer any questions that you all may have. So, this is just a photo here of, I think, McNears Park on the front. There's a letter from myself. This is uh, you know, a cool page where we've tried to capture some key um, you know, achievements from the past year. Uh, some highlights of different projects that we've completed. This is, of course, a much shorter list than the presentation your committee receives each November. And then this is showing our revenues and expenses, and again, sort of broken out by program area and by uh, funding. Uh, revenue type. And then there's additional financial information looking at our, our different revenue sources and how the money was spent. And then also at um, our, you know, our employees, what our different team members do. And, uh, and then uh, one thing that's unique here, I think is, oh no, it's not on this one, on the next one, sorry. On the bottom showing specifically Measure A versus the top showing the mix of all of our funds. And this is one that's a little bit unique is this is a page we've had similar pages in the past that show the breakdown of the specific funding allocations. It's a little different because uh, instead of calling it 65% for Marin County Parks with the 20% of the 65 for land acquisition, we break it down to 52% for Marin County Parks and 13% for land acquisition. Just a, another way of saying the same thing. And then we also break down uh, expenses uh, over the lifetime of the measure, which is different from past reports. And then the final page of the report is a map. We've been sort of adding to the same map year after year that shows um, where uh, several highlighted projects are each year. And so we've just tried to, to highlight different projects across the county and, um, and show where they are. And actually one of the really neat things is that, uh, oh yeah, and highlight that our 50th anniversary is of the open space district is this year. Wow. It's exciting. So uh, and another really cool thing in addition to this annual report that our, uh, our communications team did and a, a huge thank you to our communications team who are amazing. Uh, is added to our open data portal. There's a, um, on the county's open data portal, there's, we have a, a bunch of park sites. And one of the neat things about this portal is that it's directly connected to, um, you know, the, the data systems that our team is always updating. So it's a live way for the community to connect with what's actually happening in our parks and preserves. So, we already have on there uh, a connection to all of our ranger incidents. So every time our rangers write a warning or a ticket to somebody or respond to like a search and rescue or anything like that, it populates that open data portal and you can go look at it and you can do all kinds of cool analytics to see you know what's happening and what preserves over what timeline. Uh, and then the newest addition, that's been there for a few years. The newest addition is um, with vegetation management, all of our vegetation management projects going back several years and ongoing into the future are populated 
on our open data portal, you can look at a really um, uh, dense uh, uh, spreadsheet of all those things, but you can also look at them on a map. So just sort of like this map, you can see a map with a whole bunch of dots, and when you click on a dot, it'll tell you what it is and how many acres. It's not perfect because it's a little dot, whether it's like you know a hundred acres or half an acre. So that's a little challenging. We're in the future. We're hoping to have even a better visualization of that work. But um, just wanted to draw your attention to that. Cool. Do they, are they, do they still do the wildlife uh, cataloging with the photos? Yeah. So that that was a really cool one TAM project to get a sense of sort of high level. Um, ecosystem health around Mount Tam, this huge grid of wildlife cameras. We got millions and millions of, you know, data points and utilized thousands of volunteers to help us catalog that and got really great data about how um, wildlife was doing in our parks and preserves across the county. I, right now, I think that project, you know, we sort of did several years, got some information from it you know, may repeat that again in the future, but it's 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 not something that'll just go on forever. It's sort of a finite snapshot, and then we may take another snapshot again to look at that. I always thought it's a great program to get the schools involved with, because you can involve math, statistics, all kinds of things yeah. that would be great to get kids, ex you know, data collection and all that stuff, which is where we're going. So, okay. Um, Anything else you want to say? I mean, I think it's great. I would say my one question is how do, how do you get this out and about? How does it get distributed? And how do we make sure other people get a chance to, uh, you know, that it does its job? It's a great question. So we do have a mailing list that we mail it out to as a hard copy. But really with this and all of our documents, we're transitioning to more of an online um, platform for how we distribute materials. And, you know, uh, there's lots of, I mean, while we try to make this as user-friendly as possible, to be totally fair, this still isn't our most um, easy to digest thing for people to jump into if they don't know much about us. So really one of the, I think one of the most important purposes of this is that it's available on our website. And so whenever people do get interested, have questions, have concerns, this is somewhere I send people all the time with the link. Here's our, you know, they're like, how, how much do you spend on, you know, uh, trail projects or, you know, some, something like that. I can send them to these annual reports. It's got a ton of information in there. Um, yeah, I don't, do you have anything else? Is there anything to add? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for that presentation. Uh, so with that presentation, I'll open it. Everyone here has any questions? I will open it up to the public. There's nobody here. Al, do we have anybody online? Chair Maryland, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, great. Um, okay, I, we're on to uh, agenda item number 11. Identify members to participate in staff and audit uh, report meetings and information only. So uh, I know that we've talked about wanting to get more involved in other things other than just coming here twice a month or twice a year um, and participating in the process. That way we get to know it a little bit better. Kevin, you want to kind of explain what opportunities we have? And Sure, Chair. This is just an opportunity for a couple of Oversight Committee members to volunteer to work more closely with staff and auditors this coming year. So, Chair, you have the ability to just select a couple of volunteers. Um, I'll take a note, and then we'll reach out to you when opportunities arise to either 
meet with auditors during exit interviews or during the planning process or also with our communications team or others uh, around the annual reporting. And then um, I think we'll probably in this coming year also look for an opportunity to get our commission oversight committee together to like look at projects on the ground. So that'll be another opportunity but unrelated to this um, specific item. Okay. So are we looking to form ad hoc or have offer opportunities for people to join ad hoc committees? It's not even an ad hoc okay. committee. You're literally just selecting a couple of volunteers. Okay. Well, I know that I'm always interested in budgets. So if you ever get to like developing next year's budget and where to put money, I'm always interested in that process. I'd be glad to volunteer for that. Mary, any? Staff is volunteering. Right. Is there any areas that you think? Anything minus. Okay. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. How about you, Carolyn? Uh, How do we get you jumped in here? <laughs> I'd be very happy to volunteer. And uh, uh, actually, that any place that uh, I can get on the ground construction, as well as land acquisition, is interesting. Probably haven't been budgeting. Well, thank you, Carolyn and Mary. Daniel, do you have any? Yeah, I'd be interested, you know, especially if they're ag parks like it. Okay, well, we don't want to leave Jeff out. <laughs> I think I think my my tenure is over. I think I'm uh, I'm filling a hole here yeah. today, if I'm not mistaken. So okay, Jeff's a short timer. Yep, yep. <laughs> You're terming out, huh? Yeah. Okay. Although I would like to stay involved, and I wonder. How that possible? Okay. Well, you you're all certainly welcome to stay involved, even when you're no longer, a, and we can check in offline. Okay, thank you. Um, and I'm not sure uh, if this is a good segue, but as far as getting involved in the um, the new ballot in initiative, is there a way that we can all? Uh, participate or get involved in the renewal process or how can as private citizens or how do we how do we participate participate to support the renewal yeah well we can check in offline to talk more about the renewal process okay yeah sure. i think what would be important too is as long as we understand the gu the guidelines and areas that we need to stay the lanes we need to stay in so that as commissioners we're not uh doing anything that would draw any attention or, or you know cross any lines uh, but I think at some point it would be good just to know what, because I know I don't have that much experience and while I have good intentions, I know I can easily do something that's more damaging than helpful. So, Okay, so, uh, it, so that was an informational item. Do we have any other comments from public? Al? Chair Mayland, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, great. Okay, well from there, I guess we can move on to agenda item number 12. Um, which brings us to the budget development process. So I'll, I'll kick this off, and, and it's really ultimately what we're doing is just providing you all with a brief update on kind of where we're at with respect to our budget planning. Uh, this year being a little bit of a weird year um, with with the the, uh, the current tax tax measure, sales tax measure expiring uh, at the end of March. Uh, the revenue stream expires as of April 1st. We will no longer have uh, Measure A revenue. Um, we obviously are working to, to get a measure back on the ballot. Um, if we're successful with that, 
the earliest that the revenue stream would kick back in would not be until um, the probably November, beginning of November. So there's a there's going to be a, a funding gap there, uh, and certainly at this time we cannot program next year's annual budget under the assumption that we're going to be successful with the measure. We have to be you know while we're cautiously optimistic, we've got a lot of work to do obviously, but um, the reality is we we only have a finite fund balance that we have to work with. Uh, and as Max mentioned earlier, that's roughly four and a half million dollars. So what we're doing is we're, you know, our, our, our budget development process in a normal year is, is an iterative process. It starts, um, you know, the fiscal year runs July 1st to June 30th annually. And as soon as we have our, our fiscal year adopted by the Board of Supervisors and, you know, basically as of July 1st, we start communications with our community members. We start implementing projects. We start planning for the following year's budget. We uh, come before the Parks and Open Space Commission with updates. Uh, as at our most recent uh, Parks and Open Space Commission meeting, we presented a draft um, uh, plan for our road and trail work uh, for next fiscal year, as well as vegetation management um, work plan. And then we're going to be coming back to the to the uh, Parks and Open Space Commission in March with some follow up on those. So there's that engagement at the commission level. Uh, our staff are constantly meeting with community members that are engaging and, and you know, working on providing that critical input into our budget as far as um, projects and programs uh, that we want to work towards. Some of the projects are recurring, basic essential services, like making sure that we have seasonal staff out in our regional parks to keep our restrooms clean, keep the garbage cans empty. Uh, we have other uh, routine programs like, like maintaining the, the defensible space within our um, preserves to make sure that we're doing our best to protect the community from wildfire uh, as, and, a, and a myriad of other projects in between. Um, but this year with the, with the uh, revenue stream um, basically having to rely solely on uh, the fund balance, our approach is to use that um, very judiciously to fund those essential services for the first half of next fiscal year. So essentially July 1 through the, the end of the calendar year is basically what we're what we're planning for. So we want to make sure that we have um, you know the important vegetation management work that will continue through this upcoming fire season uh, as well as some um, some modest uh, road and trail work that is continuation of some of the work that we've already started. Uh, and then again making sure that we have uh, some of the boots on the ground out in our regional parks to provide those those core essential services, lifeguards at the swimming pool, et cetera. So um, it's a it's a modest uh, budget that we're working on. Uh, and then, you know, based on the results of the election, we'll know one way or the other. Um, and we'll be returning to the Board of Supervisors for a budget adjustment to accommodate that second half of the fiscal year, whether it's, you know, again, hopefully it's it's about planning that second half with the newly restarted or re-implemented um, sales tax measure uh, and then programming that work for the second half of the fiscal year or um, you know obviously the flip side of that coin is is looking at our priorities and, and kind of identifying those resources and then adjusting our work plan accordingly so um, that's the general kind of update on where we're at we'll be going uh, back to the board excuse me we'll be coming back to the commission with a with an update uh, on our, our kind of our revised uh, vegetation management plan and an update on the budget in March. We'll be going before the Board of Supervisors um, in their, their annual March budget hearings. And then we'll be coming back to the board in um, June to uh, adopt 
our budget. So that's from a timeline perspective, that's what we're working with. Um, and again, given the constraints and the kind of the, you know, the, the tax measure status, um, you know, is, has created a little bit of a weirdness uh, this year, but we're, we're confident in, in certainly this upcoming season and the work plan that we've got to put forth. Uh, and we're certainly, um, you know, wanting to make sure that the community continues to see that important work that, that is, is, is helping protect those communities and make sure that our parks and preserves are, are there um, for them to enjoy and, and um, to their fullest. So anything that you wanted to add? So that was a mouthful and it was probably pretty quick. So, <laughs> so I apologize, uh, but happy to entertain any questions that you all may have. Mary, please. Sorry. Yeah. Um, does the county ever do, like, because you are in this really awkward situation, have a best case, worst case? Yeah, so that you have, two. A, two, you have two parallel budgets because you'll know by the beginning of your fiscal year and you either go with this one or this one instead of having to wait six months to submit a budget revision and have been dialed back for six so, months. So, yeah, we're the budget that we're going to be bringing to the board is, you know, in some ways it's our worst case scenario, right? So right. it funds, it will fund us through December with all our existing staff and programs. It would be hard to, it, so to go through the process, if, if Measure A is not extended, there'll be a number of really challenging mm -hmm. pro processes we'll have to go through. One of, you know, there's processes around staff that would be really challenging. One of the things we've done with Measure A is we've reduced and eliminated fees in our parks. So if Measure A doesn't pass, part of what we might have to do with the budget revisit is increase fees. So <clears throat> there's a, a lot of action, there's actions that would have, and then on the flip side, you know, one of the things that I've, our team's doing is coming up with a vision and um, uh, and, and work and a business plan for how we'd implement some of the new parts of measure. So like the wildfire piece, for example. And so uh, I think what we recognize is that either way, we're gonna have to revisit it because there's some processes that we're gonna have to put in place to realize those things that are more than just the budget process. Um, but what we have, what we're bringing to the board in we plan to bring to the board in June is um, sort of the baseline for the worst case scenario and also enough of the best case scenario that it'll get us through the end of the year. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it's a, uh, the, the measure A is being extended, not restarted, right? So is the, will the, tax money be held in arrears and then you'll get a big payment in November if, if it's or is that all gone so it, it technically it's being re-implemented so basically it's an extension of the existing tax so it's no change in the tax rate and it's the the you know the uses of the tax are similar but the the tax will stop being collected in, at the end of March and then it won't start being collected again until I think the end of October. So there's a, about a six month gap when we will, those revenues just will not come in. So that's why this, the, 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 the budget we're bringing is kind of the same in the worst case and best case scenario because either way, 
we don't have revenue for several months uh, to start out the year. Yeah, so the bad news is we lose six months of Measure A funding. Yep. The good news is we have a high probability of getting this renewed. And the other good news is at least we have $4 million or whatever that's carrying back over to kind of buffer us for that loss of yep. – so you said it was like $14 million overall is the revenue, and we're going to lose half of that, so about seven is what we would the, – The expected revenue this year is $16 million. Okay, so it would be if we, if we lose six months, that's $8 million. Right. But we have $4 million there, so hopefully we can – fingers crossed. Um, but it sounds like, like what Mary says, I would definitely – have two scenario A and B budgets yeah. already prepared because you and know what, if you have to go down this route, what's going to happen? And Obviously, you're going to submit the worst case scenario right. and have B, which is fingers And we crossed, do right? have that too. So essentially what Chris and Yvonne, who's our administrative services manager, do and what our whole management team does puts together is this matrix of all of the projects and programs that we hope to fund in the coming year that go through the whole community process. And then we go through and rank those, Priorities. you know, through, you know, what are, what needs, what's an ongoing service, what, you know, what's, what are the different priorities? And then, uh, you know, we basically for this budget drew two different lines, right? Like one line that says, this is what we can do with our four and a half million. And then if we, if measure A is extended, you know, here's the line of what we would anticipate being able to fund in that case. We won't bring that like best case scenario to the board for adoption, but we have it ready now so that when we get there, we don't have to like reinvent it. Okay, I think that makes sense. That sounds like a, a you know, good path and any, any other clarity that needs by anybody? Okay, okay, uh, once again, uh, this discussion is open to public comment and don't see anybody in the room. So Al, do we have anybody else? Chair Malin, there are no speakers in the queue. Great. Okay. Well, that's great. So I think now we're just at the very conclusion of this. So we want to just talk about next meeting dates and agendas and uh, maybe you can tell us what's going to happen with us and our, I mean, obviously you mentioned that we're still, uh, the, the committee is still required until it's all been expended, but will be our participation and when will we meet yeah. again right now we don't know we're gonna meet again well so you're yeah no you're we know when you're gonna meet again right so it's it's the same cadence of meetings that we've been having yep so um, chairing committee yeah. November 10th 2 p.m. put that in your calendars please okay and that's regardless <laughs> if it gets passed or not regardless Correct. yes yeah okay until, then, er, until every every penny is spent right. you all are meeting that's right <laughs> <laughs> and then I just want to take an opportunity to thank uh, Jeff Williams for your service because yeah. I know it's your last meeting. And then also, they're not here, but to thank Michael Dybeck and Bob Berner who left yeah. after last meeting. And uh, and that we're, in addition to Carolyn, who's a new member, we're also doing a recruitment for uh, uh, there's three, more. Three, more. Three, three openings, although one of them is Joe's. And yeah, reapplying. Reapply. Yep. So, uh, uh, yeah. Great. And just so you all know what that schedule looks like, um, on March 1, the board plans to ratify the Parks and Open Space Commission selection. So, Mary, that would be you, and then Larry Kennings. And then during that time, they're also going to open a recruitment process for those three 
um, vacant seats, one of which, Chair Mellon, I believe you plan to reapply yes. for. Mm -hmm. And then there are two others, Jeff Williams' seat and then um, Michael Dieback. And the board just intends to do kind of an open recruitment process and fill those seats. Uh, and those appointments will likely happen the middle of April. So. And Larry, is his, his seat is not up. He, he was re-selected re by the commission. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, uh, so that, anything else regarding the agenda, times and dates? So it's November 10th again, is, was it 10th last year? I think it was. Yeah, okay. The 10th again. Yeah. Okay, uh, is there anything else on the agenda that needs to be addressed before we can adjourn? Okay, I guess we're officially adjourned. Thank you. And Thanks, thank everyone. you, everybody else, for all your participation. Thank you so much, for Carolyn, for joining us. I, I'm excited about what you could bring to us and insight. So, <coughs> thank you. Thank you for your time. And Mary, thanks for pushing the button and asking.